Welcome back to episode seven of season one, our final episode for our first season. Could you believe we finally made it, Carrie? Lucky number seven. I know. It's pretty amazing. Well, I'm Kyle, and with me is Carrie, and here we are with the Heat of Command podcast, wrapping up our first season on authenticity and introspection, kind of the framework of where we're going to be heading with uh, with our podcast. So it's pretty exciting to be here and finish up our, our first season. Now, we want to go back and talk about how we ended our last episode. We'd like to end with a quote or a question. And our last episode, we ended with a quote, opinion is really the lowest form of human knowledge. It requires no accountability, no understanding. The highest form of knowledge, according to George Eliot, is empathy, for it requires us to suspend our egos and live in another's world. It requires profound purpose larger than the self kind of understanding. Wow. Powerful quote. What do you think about that, Carrie? All right. Don't laugh. This is what I thought about. <laughs> Opinions are like buttholes. Everyone's got one, but not everybody's got empathy, right? Right. That's kind of kind of where I went with that. <laughs> but you're right. It takes a whole lot of, oh, a whole lot to have empathy sometimes and, and, and work, um, but not a whole lot to have an opinion on something. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, you know, it, to suspend our egos, you know, and we, we think of ego as like the self-centered and always talking about self and, you know, you have this aura about you, but ego could be not even that apparent in our own lives sometimes. And it, to really suspend that and put yourself aside and try to live in somebody else's shoes without knowing anything about them. I mean, that that's a truly remarkable trait. And one I think, you know, leaders need to have, especially in, in this day and age and in our society. And that really is what's going to allow you to be exceptional and be the most authentic leader you can be. Yeah, especially when you think you're right. You know, it's really hard when and my opinion is I'm right. Uh, but the empathetic leader and empathetic human says, all right, what else is at play in this scenario? What else is going on? Yeah. And the, further, I'll, you know, just to springboard off that a little bit, that empathetic, empathetic leader is slow to become defensive, right? They're patient. They listen. And th those are very important traits to have, you know, to where we listen and want to grow, even if it's somebody that's more junior than us or younger than us, you know, they, they come from a different world than we did and they might be able to provide us information that allows us to grow. So that again, takes suspending that ego and, and trying to learn from everybody that's around you. Yeah. I, I find it's really easy to be empathetic with someone that goes through something that you've experienced, something that a trial or tribulation or an experience that you've had, especially in your career, and you go, man, I had that tough. I'm really empathetic to that situation or, or really you're sympathetic. Um, but it's hard when it's not something you've experienced or had even a close resemblance of an experience to it. Sometimes that's when it gets hard. It's like, okay, well, I didn't have to go through that. Why is that hard for that person? All right, well, let me figure that out. Yeah. And then sometimes it's even it's still challenging to have that conversation with someone you see going through what you went through, uh, you know, and they may not have suspended their ego yet and they full well may know your journey. Um, but they fail to, you know, 
kind of have that humbling moment to where, hey, maybe I need to listen, you know, but that's where as leaders, we just kind of change our strategy and figure out, okay, this approach didn't work. Maybe I got to change my approach this way uh, to really try and connect. And, you know, the goal is for people not to say, make the same mistakes I did, you know, and uh, going that route is, it could be a challenging route as well. Yeah, I agree. I wish that we could record our pre-record uh, conversations because you and I always talk about some great stuff that it, it, it's usually personal to our department, so we probably shouldn't record it. But I, I just wish sometimes it, it's 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 really authentic. <laughs> it is the you know, it, conversations it, we have sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe one day we just will record it, maybe, uh, you know, but, you know, it, it's it, it gives us a lot of our content and, you know, just our experiences of of where we want to go with this and, and what we really value and, and see as important in our industry today and where it's the industry, I believe, is really lacking as far as leadership goes. Uh, and, and we're seeing the the aftermath and the results of, of not having effective leadership within our industry you know, just basically on recruitment and retention numbers and, and where the industry's headed. So, uh, it, it's fun to talk about. It's interesting. And there's always plenty of material and content to discuss. And I do enjoy all our conversations that we have. Uh, so enough about, uh, last week's quote, you know, we'll jump into this week and we just kind of want to tie everything up in a nice little bow for you and, and summarize what we went through over the last six weeks. And, uh, just make sure we got our point across and differentiate between some things. I, I think I want to start off just, you know, we talk a lot about authentic leadership, self-reflection. We use, you know, touchy-feely words like empathy and compassion, uh, but we feel those are very important as leaders. And I think we need to really make this distinct understanding that there's leadership in the fire service in the four walls of the firehouse, and then there's leadership on the fire ground emergency scene. And both those types of arenas uh, need a different type of leadership style, right? When we're on a fire scene, it is intense. We need a leader that can make quick decisions, maintain a high level of composure, keep the crew safe, and mitigate the emergency at hand as fast and safe as possible. And that requires a completely different type of leadership style than what we talk about in terms of the four walls of the firehouse. And so we understand that and we we know, but to bridge that, when we look at building trust and respect from our crews, it starts within the four walls of the firehouse and enables them to want to listen to us and trust us more on a fire ground. So it all relates. Yeah. And, and I, I, I love when we, we talk about these two topics because, and, and people really feel like maybe we are lowering the bar, but I really feel like when you, figure your own self out and you're acting as an authentic leader and not uh, trying to be someone else. And you're using empathy and you're, you understand other people's values. You understand your own values. And we've talked about each of these topics and, and it's a, in an individual episode and, and how those play out and how you figure that out. And once you dial that all in, you really can raise the bar on expectations on the fire ground and especially in the walls of the firehouse. So it's not soft. It's hard. It's actually hard work. And then you, you really look at these guys and girls around you and, and knowing them so well, I can say, I know what you're capable of. I absolutely know what you are capable of. And we're going to set that expectation and set that bar really high for you. Um, and I'm going to help you get there. Um, so I, I, I love that this is our last episode and tying this all together and how it relates to 
what the work we do inside the firehouse. Yeah, you know, it's we we go on the fireground and we want to listen to a leader on the fireground, right? We want mm-hmm. like we desire that and we want to have that utmost trust and respect and we we know that person is knowledgeable and you know, we we have our lives in their hands and that's what we strive for. Well, you earn that reputation within the four walls of the firehouse, you know, back in the military, the the old saying was you have to respect the rank but you don't have to respect the person. And I think we see a lot of that in every industry, not just the firehouse, uh, where we have to respect the titles, you know. And when we go out to a fireground, even if you don't respect them as a person, as a leader, because they didn't earn that within the four walls, you still listen to them. But it's not with that same eagerness, you know, and there might be a little apprehension. So when we look at all this, as you said, we get to raise standards when we really work on ourselves in the four walls, which enables us to work on our our teams and build and grow our teams. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and I, from my experience and, and watching some other people grow, I really feel like when you work on yourself and, and you get really solid in, in that leadership in the four walls, your confidence improves so much on the and it, it correlates over to the fireground. So your confidence increases, your competence, as long as your confidence is there, um, that confidence kind of in then turn makes you a better decision maker. Um I, my favorite quote is the road of life is paved with indecisive squirrels. Mm-hmm. Always be willing to make a decision. And if if you're confident in your in yourself and your leadership abilities and your people are as well, um, your decision making capability and it, it it really gets dialed in. So it, it correlates so well between the walls of the firehouse and the fireground or emergency scenes. Yeah. And, and, you know, people feel valued, you know, and when people feel valued, what you can get out of them is, you know, the sky's the limit when people feel valued and we need that on the fireground. We need them to be able to reach these heights that we know they're capable of and they have the confidence to reach those heights and do those tasks. And and the only place to build that is within the four walls of the firehouse and treating people like human beings. So, you know, I hope that we have differentiated, you know, the types of leaders that are needed in each, you know, uh, environment within our job, uh, but how they relate so closely. And if we want to be that effective leader on the fireground, it starts with us building our leadership ability in a non-stressful situation around the firehouse. Yeah, non-stressful. <laughs> I, mean, that yeah. I think sometimes that's the most stressful. <laughs> right. <laughs> so true. Yeah. <laughs> it's sometimes like you go on the fireground and everything's calm or it's like, okay, uh-huh. yeah, there are people hanging out the windows, but I can handle this. You go by the firehouse mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my goodness. You know, trying just trying to figure out dinner sometimes. You're like, we're really taking this long? Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, I talking about going back to competence and and when we talk about leadership in the in the walls of the firehouse and helping your people uh, develop their competence and their confidence that's where it, you know you you have to have a whole ton of empathy because if you've got some people that aren't competent in their jobs there's no matter how much uh, soft, empathetic leadership you have, if you're not getting through to them, you know, you've got to, you've got to figure out ways to make sure everybody is competent at work. Not just, we're not just talking about being soft and handholding and being kind, you know, yes, being kind, but 
we're talking about setting expectations and making sure everybody is very competent in their job. And then everybody comes on board uh, with the confidence. Yeah. You said empathy and, you know, it's really summed up to meeting people for where they're at, I think is a, a very simple way of illustrating empathy. You know, when new people come in, we, we meet them where they're at and that's very important. I think a lot of times when new people come in, they're supposed to meet us where we're at and we have 10, 15, 20, 25 years on the job and that's not possible for them. A, B, they don't have the maturity level yet. I mean, some people older still don't have the maturity level yet, but, you know, just as a human being and going through growth phases, you know, they just don't have the maturity yet. So we have to meet people where where they're at. And this starts at the top and this starts with the senior folks within your industry because the young people just don't know. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to meet you where you're at. So you have to take the first step, you know, and as far as generations and the differences, you know, we have to put our hand out first and be like, you know, I understand you didn't grow up in a world I did, but I'm going to teach you some things. And through that, you know, I get to tell them the world I grew up in, why I am the way I am, and hopefully spread some knowledge down to them as I've already learned who they are, you know, just the generational generalities and how I can lead appropriately. So then we're able to be an industry that is progressive for years and years to come. I feel like sometimes we're in this sinking hole for lack of better words. And if we don't stop it, it's just going to continually get worse. You know, every generation is after every generation. And if we're still holding on to those traits within our industries, the new people are watching. So when they're the senior people, all they're going to do is say the new generation sucks right? And it's, we're just going to perpetuate this problem instead of meeting people where they're at. And that's what we have to do. And then when the junior people in our industry today are the senior people, they've been already taught how to meet people where they're at and how to bridge that gap and how to lead people who are not in the trades anymore or don't come from the military that are, I think you said it prior to us recording, uh, white collar minds in a blue collar environment industry. And I think that perfectly illustrates it, you know, and then we can continually be progressive generation after generation, but we have to extend that handout first. Yeah. And I, I live in a different world, kind of where I'm at in my department right now. We have some really young leadership, and I think we're well on our way to making this better and and making the change. And it's crazy because every department, every fire department in the country is short staffed, but us, I feel like. And I I think that's a testament to what our um, senior leadership is doing and and creating that environment. Of course, there's room, you know, for everyone to grow in that, but I think we're doing something right. And uh, I had somebody approached me the other day. And it made me really think that, okay, you know, some of these guys come into the firehouse that come right out of recruit school and they act like they're senior guys. They act like they've been here forever. They're too comfortable. And I'm like, okay. And I, I, did we swing too far the other way? Did we swing too far to a culture of too casual? So as a training chief, I look at that and say, all right, where do we, because I, I want people to feel welcomed in the firehouse when they come brand new, able to ask questions. And and we're there. We're definitely there. But I don't want to create, you know, I don't want to go too far in the other direction where it's, you know, it's a lack of discipline and that kind of stuff. So I, 
I had a conversation with the captain and I said, I said, yeah, I, I could, I could see that. And, and I, I want to think about that a lot. And I said, but what I don't want is the other end of that spectrum of when you come in, you're treated like a child or you're treated like less than, and these are, these are adults. You're a grown person <laughs> coming into work and you shouldn't be treated like a child. Like sometimes we treat our new people that come in, like, you know, it, it's it, hazing at some, right. at some points. Um, so it, it, I think it's neat to look at that balance of what's, what's just right. Like Goldilocks, what's just right. Um, and yeah. I, but I think we're doing a good job here of, you know, getting, getting on our way. Yeah. I think you sum up, you know, leadership is hard. It's a lot of hard work and it, it's, <laughs> walking this tightrope and balancing and, you know, you're going to have successes and failures and maybe multiple in a single day, you know, and how we're going to lead people and you're going to try things and you're going to fail. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say negative things about you because of that. And, but you just have to stay persistent and keep going because that's what leadership is. It's not easy. It's hard. And, you know, to reach everybody, especially now trying to figure out how to lead each generation on their on their basis is is a very challenging spot to be in. So it's not easy, and I think you summed it up very well in terms of balancing and how we have to just carefully walk and constantly evaluate and analyze the decisions that we're making and what the outcomes are, and then trying to anticipate those outcomes so we can get ahead of it or you know try to reel it back as long as you're not going the complete opposite way. Like you said, on the spectrum, you know, it's sometimes as well, you, as I become a parent, you know, you, you look back at your childhood and you're like, oh, I'm going to be nothing like my parents. But then it's like, okay, you know, you go start going down that road and then it's like, hold on, I can't go too far in the other way because then that's just as damaging. So it's finding that happy medium of what really works. And that's, that's where we're at. You know, that's what we're discussing and, and how do we get there and the things that we have to do to try and, uh, get ourselves there and our organizations there. And I, I always wonder, how do you know when it's working? How do you know? And and when I sit on interview panels and we interview people, uh, qualify, we call them qualified hires, people that are coming from other departments. And and we usually will very candidly ask, well, why why do you want to leave where you're at? And and most people are delicate enough; they know not to bash their department, but they will say. We heard you really take care of your people, um, and I want to work somewhere like that. Um, and they'll, but on the flip side, they will also say, "But we also heard you're doing all this amazing stuff. You're carrying whole blood. You have tech guidelines that are working really good. You have, prog- you know, progressive fireground stuff." And so it's it it is that beautiful balance that we talk about of the the human side of things, but really elevated expectations. Yeah, I like uh, you know everything that we talk about what you're doing and and the recruitment and the numbers you have and the excitement within your organization. You know that that's what drives new people wanting to get involved and be a part is the new innovation that is coming down the pipeline, the technology, you know, the things that we didn't deal with when we came into the industry, but young people are excited about. And how do we do this better? How do how are we more efficient? How do we stay safer? And it's so far away from the old way of doing things, uh, but it's a different analytical approach. And sometimes it's well worthwhile to 
to uh, explore those ideas and thoughts and utilize those to, uh, again, to progress our industry. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting if we keep moving in that in that direction. Definitely. Yeah, I think an, another big thing to, to you know wrap up our our first season is you know I want I want everybody out there and our listeners to understand that people did not grow up in the same world you did with the same lessons you know and even if you're in the same generation as somebody they still didn't grow up in the same world you did and that really goes back to empathy and and putting yourself in somebody else's shoes without knowing a thing about them so when you learned how to you know do certain things and you got a job at 14 years old, like I did, and you were always working, you know, people are not coming to our industry that way anymore. You know, they, they were so involved in school and they played sports for a long time or, you know, whatever the case may be, they were focused on their studies. They're still living at home. You know, we have a lot of younger people still living at home. You know, it's just different. Uh, so it's understanding they didn't grow up in the world I did. They didn't see the natural disasters and the things that happened in our country like I did. They saw different things. And you could go back and we're going to go back and explore each generation in a future season. And we're going to look at that stuff and kind of put some meat behind why each generation has these generalities about them. And we're really going to be able to illustrate that. So it's really understand just because you see something a certain way or you think something needs to be approached a certain way doesn't mean that that person next to you sees it the same way. And just because they don't see it the same way doesn't mean that they're wrong or they just need to be led and taught. And that's an opportunity for growth on both ends. Yeah. And I think it's true too, not just for generations, but uh, for genders too. Yeah. Yeah, Because I hear a lot of well, because you're a woman in the fire service, this must have been your experience. Well, it you know it may or might may not be, but same thing. You, know, you can't you can't always compare. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could could not agree more. You know, and then you know the firehouse and uh, the culture that we that we live in is a very different culture that most of society doesn't even realize how we live our lives and the things that we do. And for somebody new coming into the industry, it's a very intimidating environment, you know, and especially if they did not, you know, work and start working at 14 years old, you know, and they were involved in different things and they're still living at home. It's it's just a very intimidating environment for somebody to open up in and kind of be their true self. And it fails us because we don't really get a good look on who this person really is. They're just trying to get through their probationary year. So they're, you know, this facade of nerves and fear. And, you know, we don't get anything out of anybody when they live in that type of environment and world when, you know, they're concerned about messing up or concerned about this. Yeah, they have to be concerned about the job and they have to be showing improvements. Uh, But we need to set an environment that allows them to to build and grow in instead of just fear and, uh, intimidation. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to remember back to, you know, your first few years on the job and what you worried about. It may be, it's, you know, probably different than some of the things they worry about, but a lot of it's probably the same, you know, sleeping through calls and, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing on, at, on emergency scenes? And am I comfortable asking stupid questions? Right. Yeah, and hopefully they are, you know, and and they're asking questions or, you know, as as senior folks and leaders within the industry, you see something 
on a fire ground that's, you know, not a safety concern or anything, but hey, always look for opportunities how we can build our younger people instead of opportunities to say why they're bad, you know, and that's really the the authenticity, the self-reflection, the empathy, and all of it is looking for opportunities to grow people. And yes, we explained it, and you do a wonderful job, uh, that it might not always work, and this job isn't meant for everybody, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that as a supervisor that I'm going to come along beside you and help you um, get to where you want to be and where I want you to be and where our department wants you to be and where our citizens need you to be. And sometimes it just doesn't happen and it doesn't work out. And it, it takes more. Sometimes it takes just as much courage to say this is not I can't this isn't working for me and I'm going to go find something else to do and and doing that gracefully. Yeah. Yeah, having those hard conversations, you know. But these the hard conversations are where true growth happens, and it's it's puts ideas and thoughts in people's minds, and you know, hard conversations are beneficial for both sides. And there's, like I said, there's always growth opportunity there. So as I read a, oh, go ahead. So I read a quote, and I wish I had it in front of me about conversations that are put off that need to be had. How much like productivity and how much else gets missed because of the missed conversation. And it's it's on Google, I'm sure. But it, there's so much time wasted that's because of a conversation that needs to be had. So yeah. think about the conversation first and then just have it. Yep. And don't get defensive. Be open-minded. Don't, you know, yeah. that, that's the yeah. biggest thing is that active listening. We're not we're not generating our response before that person is even finished yet. We're literally engaged in listening and not getting defensive. And again, the purpose is growth, growth on everybody's part. You know, one thing to kind of wrap up our, our first season, and I know you want to hit on is take us through, you know, really, you know, we've talked a lot how to be an authentic leader, introspection. And I think the big crux of it is, so how do we go forward and how do we set these expectations to ensure that we are not becoming soft or weak or, you know, any of those terms that we use and, you know, we, we, we myth busted quite a bit, you know, to ensure that we're not falling down that hole, but yet we're setting expectations to constantly grow our industry, grow our departments, and really make them the best that they ever, ever have been? For me, it's it's always reevaluating my core values. What are my core values? And what are the core values that the people I work with bring to the table? So once I kind of know a little bit about that, and I know the people that I work with, I know a little bit about how they make decisions and what they need support on and what, what I can help them with. It's it's deciding on a purpose. What is my my purpose? And I just finished reading a book and I was telling um telling Kyle about this. It's Peak Performance. It's a book called Peak Performance and check it out. It was really good. I listened to it on um Audible and it was super good. Uh but they talk about a, a creating it's like a mission statement, but it's almost like your purpose statement. So it's less mission statement, more personal to you instead of your organization. And and what is your purpose? And it changes all the time because you're constantly elevating your own personal expectations for yourself. And then you're also doing that for the people you work with. So what is your purpose? Is your purpose to come to work and 
um, change the lives of the people around you. That's kind of broad, but it's stuff like that. Like, is my purpose to be the very best company officer um, at an engine house? Or is it to be, um, you know, to be a very effective training chief to make sure everyone is getting the highest quality training uh, and a method that they can receive it in. Whatever whatever it is, that purpose, constantly changing and updating your purpose statement and aligning it with your values lets you set expectations that are really high. And I think you you said it, you know, constantly evaluating that. And as we grow and, you know, our, our positions change, as we mature, our values change over time. I could speak for myself and mine absolutely did. And so it's reevaluating. That's okay. It's okay for you to change as a person too. And especially if you go down this road and you start doing some really hardcore self-reflection and really learning who you are at your core, you're going to change. Your values are going to change and all this is going to change, which is going to allow you to set, you know, true authentic expectations that you really live by every day instead of this facade of this person we have just become and learned to be and cope our way through life type thing. So reevaluating is is definitely uh, extremely important and having those expectations to where we can constantly progress the industry instead of, you know, getting to stalemate or going the wrong direction. Yeah. And uh, it does change. The seasons of our life make it change. Um, I think there was a a period of my time period of my life where my purpose, I, I, you know, I never knew I was, I wasn't saying it out loud or anything, but was, was trying to figure out a work-life balance. It, that was probably my whole purpose for a good six months to a year of my life is what's a what is my work life balance and and how do I make it so I'm successful in both of my in all of my roles my roles at home and my roles at work and I'm not burnt out. So what are your expectations at work then? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my expectations. Uh, one of one of my biggest expectations is. If you if you see something that needs to be done, and this is this is usually at like the company company level, like if you see something that needs to be done, just take care of it. Don't wait for somebody to t- to tell you to take care of it. Um, my expectations at, at is it's it, it, and I I don't know how do I say this politically correct. Um, everyone else's problems and everything else going on is not necessarily our problem. Um, I. And, and my husband is a company officer and he says this a lot. There's almost nothing admin can do that can affect you so much at the fire station to ruin your life. Yeah. So you can come to work and have a good time and have a great attitude because a policy that changes about, you know, what the first arriving engine does, it, it, it's, it's in the grand scheme of things that does not change your life at the fire station. So don't let it ruin, you know, these you know, these shift wars that take place and the constant negativity is. And so my expectations generally are, are, are that kind of thing. Like worry about your own self. I like to say that a lot and don't worry about what everybody else has going on. Um, my, my expectation is to work really, really hard. Like we're going to work really hard to make things right and good and, um, not leave any stones unturned. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I, I look at, you know, I, as a company officer, you know, just running an engine company essentially, and we're becoming a very young fire department, and I still instill the same expectation that everybody. I, I tell my crews, 
the less I talk on a scene, the better, because that yeah. means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that makes me proud. You know, we've ran a couple incidents where I like, I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs and I'm like, I should be doing something, <laughs> you know, but it's like my crew's working. So my job's to keep them safe and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, and that has been established through training. So I get a new driver, you know, he pulls up on his first car accident, you know, his, his blocking might not be exactly where I want it. Training opportunity. We go over it next time he, he nails it, you know, and that's what I expect do your job. And yeah, you know, that, that's it. I don't need, you know, if I have to make tactical decisions, Sure. But if I tell you to pull a line, I'm not going to, you know, go micromanage how you pull that line or force a door or pull a ceiling, nothing like just go do it, go do it. And the less I have to say, that means if I'm not saying anything, that means everybody's doing their job. So awesome. You know, and, and those are the incidents I, I, I love the best where I don't, I feel like I don't do anything because my company's working so well, but it's empowering them to work and have the confidence that they know what I expect and that they're going to go do it. So you instill those values within the four walls of the firehouse. And that's how, it, when you do that, it portrays out into the fireground just like that. And, you know, it's proud moments like that. And that, you know, you asked earlier, how do you know it's working? And that's how you know it's working. You're like, this is working and everybody's doing what they're supposed to. Nobody's getting hurt, you know, and it, it's, it's an exciting arena to be in and, you know, for me, I, it's something I thoroughly enjoy, but the real work starts within the, the four walls of the firehouse. Yeah. And as a, you know, a different, I'm in a different role now, obviously, as a, a training battalion chief. And so now my expectations are, it's still, I want to push people really hard. So we're doing company burns this week and, and last week. And, but I want an environment where people can come down to training and feel like they can make mistakes and not be you know, ostracized or ridiculed. It's a training environment. I want you to come and practice, but I also want you to come and treat this like it's real. And I want to stress you a little bit so that you can work on your decision-making uh, capabilities. And the, and the guys and girls that have come down the last two weeks, so these um, company evolutions, man, they have been just killing it. They are smoking through these evolutions and and then coming out and we're having really honest conversations about their performance and what they do different and how they made the decisions that you made. And it just is, it's just beautiful. Growth mindset, right? And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's exciting and uh, uh, there's a lot of hope there. So that's, so that's good. You, you know, it's been an exciting first season. Wouldn't you think? Yes. Yeah. I think I, I I would like to can we re-record our first episode because I no. feel like I did not. No. <laughs> no, because it's about going back and looking back on where you started. And yeah, yeah. it's gonna be pretty bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, but that's okay. It was like it's nerves and like you're sitting in this room all by yourself. And it's like, why am I nervous? You know? Um <laughs> Yeah, why am I nervous talking about what we talk about all the time? Right. <laughs> I, you know, I could go in front of a bunch of people and not be nervous, but sitting behind my computer with a camera on, it's, it's, you yeah. know, a little different. Uh, yeah. So that I'm not, we're not redoing that because I think it's cool okay. to look back. I, I think it's fun. <laughs> and I think it, you know, it, it shows growth in, in us and, and how we kind of start analyzing all the thoughts and ideas that me and you talk about, which I think is very cool. It's cool to go back and look and see where we started. And I think that's always, you know, when we can look back on, on things and see your growth is always something fun to fun to do. And, you know, gives you that boost of confidence and allows you to do great things. So 
and it keeps you humble, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> you, you always got to start somewhere, you know, and, and that, that's yeah. the big thing. Just you, start. You just start. Just start. Just you don't start. have to have all the bells and whistles. Just start. Just start. So our final quote for season one that we want to leave you with and, you know, something to think about and really sum up our first season is before you become an authentic leader, you have to know who you are. That's your true north, your most deeply held beliefs, your values, the principles you lead by, and what inspires you. So take some time, think about that until season two, and let us know what you think on our social media uh, in terms of that quote. Yes, all my favorite words in one quote. <laughs> it really is. It really did sum up uh, our first season quite nicely. Yes. Well, I think this is us signing out for season one. Yeah, it, it is. It's been fun and I look forward to season two. We're going to go deeper. We're going to keep peeling that onion away and we're going to talk about some more uncomfortable stuff and and really hope to develop some strong authenticity within the leadership uh, of everybody who listens and, and bring some new innovative thoughts out into the fire service. So thanks for listening and hit us up on our social media, subscribe to our Facebook and LinkedIn. We might get some other stuff going. Again, we're still pretty new at all this, so we might get an Instagram going and all that. We'll see. Uh, but subscribe <laughs> to our podcast and uh, engage with us. And we'd love to hear some of your thoughts in terms of everything that we're talking about. All righty. Sounds good. So until season two, we'll see you next time. <laughs>